today uh, I'm doing a sermon that is, um, well, let me, let me just back up and say one of my commitments about preaching is that it would always be real and authentic. And today as we talk about Sabbath and about holy rest, I kind of got to start by saying I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at this, but I, in fact, I will say that um, I'm a big fan and believer of counselors. And I met with my counselor this week and we were talking about this for a second. And she said to me, do you think you ought to get someone else to preach this one? You know, you're in trouble when your counselor doesn't even, doesn't even back you on it. But, uh, but actually I spent some, it was a great question, which is part of what they do. And I was like, no, yeah, I want to preach this one. I feel led by the spirit to preach this one because I need to preach to myself and I'm convinced the struggles I have are the struggles that many have. And so I want to preach from that place and, and hope that God will bless it and use it to take us deeper into some sacred time and sacred rest. Um, we're doing this, if you're, not, if you're just joining us, you weren't with us last week, we're doing this as part of a sermon series that we started last week. We're doing 10 weeks on the Ten Commandments. So we're going to do a different commandment each time. And, and if you go look at these, uh, there are two places in Scripture. There are, it's in Deuteronomy 5 and also in Exodus 20. And they get numbered differently by different groups. Um, Jews have a different numbering. Lutherans and Catholics have a numbering. Most Protestants have a different numbering. So it varies in what you do with it. But today we're actually doing either number three or number four. And if you're paying attention to this, you're like, okay, but it's week two. So you've already figured out that we're varying the, the order we're taking them in a little bit. And the way this started is because next Sunday is Father's Day. And we really thought it makes great sense to talk about honor your mother and father on Father's Day. Dr. Power is going to be our uh, guest preacher for that one. And so we did a lot of work to make that happen. But um, once the order got off, I was like, okay, well, let's, it's okay. Let's move them around a little bit. So today we're talking about Sabbath. And I want to start by reading the Exodus version of it. And then we'll start to kind of go from there. This is from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. That's the, the reading from Exodus 20 about it. And when we started to begin to think about it, like I'm convinced that there's a profound need for us to look hard at this one in particular, because so many of us experience burnout or different issues with how hard we work as a culture. I saw a recent survey that was talking about how the 40% uh, of Americans work 50 hours or more a week. That's where we are, like the level of effort. And, you know, it's interesting to see what that does, but also what the pandemic has done along with this. Um, there's a 2021 survey done about um, how people feel about burnout. And what they were saying, and this, this, is, just came, this is from a, a reporting that was just a couple months ago, but they were saying that 52% of people in the survey said they feel burned out. And they'd done this survey more than a year ago before pandemic, and it was... Um, it was 43% then, it's at 52% now, the number of people who say they feel burned out. And the definition that they gave in this for what burnout is, is burnout is a state of emotional, uh, 
and physical exhaustion that's brought upon by long periods of constant, unrelenting stress. It renders you feeling depleted and dejected. And I think there are lots of consequences when we get to a place where we're just running all the time, where we don't stop and rest and where we feel this overload and this burden, we begin to feel emotionally drained. And spiritually, I think we have to say that it's an enemy of our spiritual lives. I mean, we, t- we think about how the Psalm tells us, be still and know that I'm God. Like, just be quiet. That's oftentimes we hear that still small voice only happens if we slow down and we get to a place of being quiet and listening that we get to that place. And then physically, I think most of us know this intuitively that when you keep running that hard, you, you end up with more and more issues and more problems. Um, you can think about how the, they're different. The journal of occupational environmental medicine says that healthcare expenditures are nearly 50% greater for workers who report high levels of stress. Like this idea that you just, you just keep going. And then I begin to think not just about our relationship with God, but all of our relationships get impacted when all we do is run. I think about, well, I'm a big fan of the, of the Bourne identity and the, the, that whole series of movies. And in the Bourne supremacy a number of years ago, one of the lines that always stuck out to me was um, the character Ward Abbott is one of the guys with the FBI. And, and he's at one point having this passionate dialogue with uh, the person that's over him at that point, um, Pam Landy. And she, he says to her, I've given 30 years of service and two marriages to this agency. And this idea that, yeah, if you, if you just run and burn the candles at both ends and never stop, it eats up relationships. And what we're talking about today, I believe, is a spiritual antidote to these things. And what I'd like to talk about during our time together for this is just to look at what it is and maybe some ideas about how we might implement it. And hopefully many of us are already implementing it, but how to go deeper in implementing that. And when you start to think about this, I don't know what you think when you hear somebody talk about Sabbath. If you're a certain age and you're old enough, maybe you think about the old blue laws that were big parts of the grocery store roped off. I know younger generations don't know what I'm talking about, but there were parts of the store that were roped off. There were things you couldn't buy on Sunday. There's still some things you cannot buy on Sunday, but there's all that. But there's all these, um, also all these thoughts we might have about how good this can be and what it is. One of the greatest preachers in the church today, and certainly in the Episcopal church, is Barbara Brown Taylor. And she talks about Sabbath. She says, it's an experience of divine love that swamps both body and soul. Abraham Lincoln, writing about it, said, as we keep or break the Sabbath, we nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope by which humanity rises. This idea that it's, it's got so many good things to it. I wonder why we haven't taken it deeper on board, at least maybe why I haven't. So then we start thinking, okay, what, what is Sabbath? What is it? Well, we get from this sermon series, it's, it's a command. It's one of the big 10. And it's a call to have sacred time in our life that's spaced out, that's dedicated this way. But I think it's also one of the commandments. If you, look, if you listed out the 10, it's different than all the others, right? Because we feel differently about it. And this may begin to ask us to confront our culture. But it's not like, you know, um, we might stand up here. I mean, can you imagine 
some of these other commandments, if I stood up here and said, this is awkward, I'm having a hard time. This morning, the next door neighbor started the lawnmower at 7.30, and I struggled, and I popped him off, you know, when we're talking murder, or you're talking adultery, or whatever else it is, but we don't have a problem showing up and saying, oh, I'm really busy, I'm working all the time. We don't even get guilty about it. We don't even feel bad about it. Maybe that's why we need to come back and look at it a lot harder. There are something like 600 commands given in the Bible. It's said that this one is the most often repeated one um, about slowing down and doing this way. When we talk about it, then we start to look at it. Okay, it's important. It has a lot of power. It can do all these things. People talk about it in these great ways. What is it? The word itself, Shabbat in Hebrew, means to cease or to desist from all these activities and these things that we do. And I think when we start to think about it, it's not meant to be a bunch of rules. It's really meant to be a shift in our orientation away from busyness and towards a God who rests. We can do all kinds of, we can play with rules. I mean, I know there are plenty of lawyers that will play with the rules. I had a friend of mine, I'm not picking on any one group, but I had a friend of mine that was a handyman for a while and he used to get hired on Fridays before sunset in certain parts of Dallas, sometimes to go extend the walls of the house with fishing line walls, I joke you not, so that the people of the house could go out and work in the yard and, and say that it was still inside the house on Saturday. We can play all kinds of games with rules. This is a shift in orientation that's really meant to be something that puts us in sync with God. When Jesus talks about it later on the Sabbath and he talks about who the Sabbath is made for, he's talking about something that's meant to connect us with God. That's a big piece of what Sabbath is about. And we back up and look at Sabbath. I want to suggest to you that there are three different aspects of Sabbath that we as Christians celebrating Sabbath take on board. And the first two of these come from our heritage from the Israelites. You have this group of people that God honored, called his chosen people. They're meant to bless the entire world. The Messiah is going to come out of this group. This corpus of law is going to come out of this group. This is the, this chosen group of people. And you start to look at it, how God dealt with them. There are ways that we can learn a couple things from these two different passages, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 around Sabbath. And then I'm going to say something about the Christian version of it as well. But we start talking about this Exodus 20 passage I read. That whole thing about Sabbath is oriented in God doing all this creation work and then resting. And it's not because God was worn out. Let's be clear about that. It's because God stepped back to create sacred time in which he would look at it and say, it's good, it's really good, there's nothing I can do to improve this. That's fantastic, look at it. And he passes that along to us saying, okay, this needs to be a day for everybody. Step back, see the goodness of what God has done and what God's created. And for us, I think it, it, along with that comes a very automatic and let gratitude fill your heart. Make it a place of gratitude. You know, St. James talks about how every good gift is from God above. And, and that should fill our hearts with gratitude. It's from God. And sometimes people want to get into this weird dichotomy of trying to say, well, there wasn't any grace before Jesus. There was grace because God creates out of nothing. 
He didn't create because he owed us something. He creates from nothing. And the first act of grace is his creation. And part of what we do is stand back and look at it and say, wow, that's amazing. What a gift, gift that is. And that's a whole piece of what the Sabbath is about. And the second one we get was when we go to, to Deuteronomy 5 and we read that version of it. Um, let me read what happens in Deuteronomy 5 for a second. This is how it's said there. You shall remember that you were a servant in the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought you out thence with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now you think about it. Servants, or as the word goes deeper, slaves, don't have a day off. And part of what this is saying is your liberation, your freedom, you get a day off. It's part of so part of it's wrapped up in our celebration of our liberation and our freedom that we have. And then the third dimension of this then begins to talk about how Christians have dealt with this. Because, you know, you think about Jesus was a Jew. All the early followers were a Jew. They had, a no, they had Sabbath that, that they honored. But very early in the practice, they got to where Sunday was a day, the day, the eighth day, as some people call it, or the first day of the week that went on becomes this feast day. Every single Sunday is a miniature Easter. Every single Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. That's why you get a break during Lent on your fasting on Sundays, because every single Sunday is a miniature Easter and a celebration. And Constantine, the Roman emperor in 321 said, okay, yeah, we're going to make this the official day off for the empire. And the Western calendar has always had that sense. In fact, you know, some people who aren't Christian or aren't um, Jewish or anything else will say the greatest gift that Judeo-Christian gives us is we got Sabbath on Saturday and we got Sunday, we get the weekend. We're, we're, before that, the ancient peoples didn't have a set holiday time off. That all came about with Judaism and then added on later with, with Christianity. But we get in this, not only the day of rest, but we as Christians come to the Sabbath day as a day of both rest and worship. A day where we not only remember what God has done, but what God is calling us into. And it takes us to some profoundly deep places. The famous German theologian Moltmann said this about it. He says, whereas the Sabbath allows us to share in God's rest, the Christian resurrection feast allows us to share in God's glory. Whereas the Sabbath is a day of thought and thankfulness, the celebration of the resurrection is a day of beginning and of hope. And all of these things exist in that place. You know, we celebrate God's creation and God's goodness and God's grace and what he's done. We celebrate the liberation and the freedom that we have. And we celebrate the resurrection, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and his call on us to partner with him into hope in the continuing of his kingdom. And I want to suggest to you that there are plenty of good reasons for us to have Sabbath in our lives just based on this command. But this is one of those easy ones, because I also think that as we engage in this, we encounter so many benefits that it's not even a hard, it shouldn't even be a hard sell. I mean, a part of this is, as we become a people of gratitude, we change, we become a people of joy, contentment. All of this just becomes a part of, of who we are. 
as we get to that place. And I think, too, we live in a society that always wants to size you up and tell you that you're, you're worth what you contribute. And every time we take Sabbath in for what it is, and you recognize that not, God did all his creation, but he created you in his image, and that's where your worth comes from, that that's, that's a whole countercultural thing that's like, it's not about what you achieve or do. It's about who you are, how God's made you, your being. It's an ontological thing in, in God. I've got these friends of mine. Um, I love this. Uh, not to get, it's another sermon someday to maybe talk about tattoos. But this, this really good, good friend of mine, all of his children, when they turned 18, they all got the same tattoo in different languages. This is a true story. This is really one of my, one of my best friends. The first one got it in Latin. The second one got it in Greek. The third one got it in Hebrew. And they all put Imagio Deo, the image of God on their tattoo. And the dad is trying to get his courage up to get his tattoo with the same thing. But, but I love the thought that they all go off into life. They all got it when they were 18 with this idea that I've got the image of God in me. And if we could learn to see the image of God in each other, it would change us. But this idea that that's, that's how we're made. That's how we're made. And that's part of the Sabbath. It's coming back to that place. And of course, then all these benefits, it's a day of rest. Who doesn't need a day of rest? or a day of rest for our souls, all these things. So I think there's such a profound thought about what the Sabbath is. This final part of the sermon, I want to pivot and just now talk about how do we live it? Let's say we make a decision. Okay, I've done a little Sabbath. I want to go all in on Sabbath. How do we do it? I think when we start to do that, we have to, we have to immediately own that, th that this is at its heart, if you're going to go deep in it, something that's countercultural. It is not what our society and our culture is going to give us. I think about some of the different writers. Dorothy Bass, the Christian writer, says, Sabbath keeping forms habits of cultural resistance around pressure points that are at the heart of our culture's distress. Consumerism, time famine, and family fragmentation. And if we're going to do it, Maybe we need, we have to do it as a community. We need the encouragement of a bunch of people that are saying, yeah, this is how we ought to live. It's one of God's commands, one of God's gifts, and we need to lean into it together. And it's a hard thing. Barbara Brown Taylor, in writing about it, I quoted her earlier, she said it took her two years of getting serious about Sabbath before she could get to her Sabbath and walk by the dust balls, the laundry, and the bills without seeing them and just knowing it's, that it's a day of rest. And I think it's really hard for us because it, it's a call for us to take pleasure, to have rest, to experience freedom, to do all these things that are like hard for us to do. I saw uh, a couple of years ago, I read an article. And when I read these, sometimes I throw them in, a, in my file. But there was an article in Inc. Magazine, which is like a business magazine for entrepreneurs. And there, it was an article about this. Um, it, it had the word Sabbath in the title. And it was talking about these entrepreneurs that were facing severe burnout. And the woman who was the CEO they were talking to, she talked about how this became a management tool for her. Because they were, they were burned out, their employees were burned out, everybody was burned out, and they started doing a Sabbath and the difference it made. And so she started talking about being a management tool. But I love the way she used language because she said that they just started defining their Sabbath as uh, an enchanted island of time. 
And I was thinking, man, we ought to just rename it, Enchanted Island of Time. And it would be a lot easier sell for us, right? How do we get that Enchanted Island of Time more and more into our life? Laura Winter, the writer, she talks about how what she does is when Sabbath starts for her, she always has dinner with friends or family that's not rushed, that involves some prayer, and she tries to take that attitude and let it carry on for 24 hours. She says, what I do is I go into it trying to figure out how can I bring joy to me and to God? That's how she engages on, in, in Sabbath. And I think for us, maybe the beginning place is just to say, I'm going to do three things. I'm going to make this day about rest, about gratitude, and about worship. If I can just focus on those three things, it will transform how we approach this. If I can just do rest, gratitude, and worship. Because it really, really uh, will have a profound effect on us in what we do. Um, there is a, a book that's out there that I've read recently by Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willimon. And when they talk about Sabbath, they say this. I'm going to quote this and then we'll, we'll wrap up and pray. But this is what they say. They say, the Christian Sabbath is when Christians perform one of our most radical, countercultural, peculiarly defining acts. We simply refuse to show up for work. It's how we put the world in its place. It's how we take over the world's time and help make it God's time. It's how we get over our amnesia and recover our memory of how we got here, who we are, and in whose service we're called. Memory's hard for us, not because we got to recitate in memory a dead Jesus, but because, rather because we become distracted from the joyful truth that Jesus is resurrected, is present among us in time and for all time. Sabbath is a, is a gift from God. It's one that calls us to pause and see the beauty and goodness of God's creation and be grateful. It's one that causes us to pause and celebrate our liberation and our freedom. It's one that causes us to pause and think about all that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection brings to us and calls us into in hope and love. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for loving us and calling us on a journey. We thank you for a gift of... In an island of enchanted time that you call us to. It goes against so much of the pressures of our society and our culture. And I pray, Lord, you would give me and all of us strength to stand up against those things and to rest in you, and to know you and to love you and to lean into you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.